Get back. Yes, that's right. I am your host, Jeff Mater, here with Super Mater Bros Podcast, and covering Get Back Part One. Joined as always by my brother Dave Mater. Dave, how are you? Whatever it is that will please you, Jeff, I'll do it. Okay. Just leave me be. You know, like I'll play or I won't play, or I'll talk or I won't talk. Whatever it is. I always feel like I'm annoying you, but I'm not. I'm trying to say, look, lads. And the other lad we have with us tonight. Josh Shields, another huge Beatles fan. Josh, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? Good, good. Excited to talk about part one here of the Get Back Beatles. Peter Jackson has brought back all the lost footage from the Let It Be Get Back sessions. Uh, As a Beatles fan, you know, just right off the bat, this is like an early Christmas gift. Just to see all this footage, all this content, to be blasted back into this time period of January 1969. Uh, as a Beatles fan, as a historian, I couldn't really ask for anything more than than this footage. So I'm very thankful to Peter Jackson for that. Uh, but first takes here. I mean, OK, that's, you know, there are three parts. This is part one and they're about two and a half hours each part. And, and so if you're not a super duper Uber fan, I could see how these dr- these dr- uh, dragged on. Dave, did you feel that way? Uh, yes, Jeff, this, okay. Like I know he, he, Peter Jackson, I think uh, deserves a lot of credit for what he did here with this, uh, documentary footage from what it was originally the get back, I guess, documentary then became the let it be documentary. And now it's the get back. It's get back to get back, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Right. Um, and so I'm impressed with like how he's taken or taken a lot of the, uh, audio material and then like kind of you know, used like frames from the documentary to sort of create the illusion that this is like live footage of, of them speaking it. Even It is, but it isn't. Uh, however, I do think that like, if you're going to do like a mini series like this, to break this into three parts, I think is sort of maybe uh, not ideal. I think that you, you could have broken this into 10 parts or six or something just to cut this down. Um, you know, I think that narratively i understand why because i think that he sees like sort of these different stages of this how this these sessions went how this like uh 14 days went um and how he wants to tell this story so he chose to break it up here but um yeah Yeah. i I think a little long a little bit on the long side yeah he kind of like this first part is kind of the twickenham stage uh you know because uh they basically got this uh stage space where i think where they filmed the uh the hey jude music video um and it, it basically what's going on here is uh ringo is going to go be shooting a movie at the end of the month and they they basically need to um rehearse and and come up with 14 songs for a live show by the end of the month because Ringo's going to have to go shoot this movie so they basically put themselves into this position to to really which i don't think they needed to do but they felt they needed to do. Josh, did you think that this was unnecessary? Did you think like, why did they put this this uh, timeline on on their heads? Uh, you know, like what was the purpose of that? Do you think it was that's what generates creativity and that's what brings out the best of them? Is that is that how you look at it? I mean, from from my own perspective, I think as a famous procrastinator, it's not a bad thing to put pressure on yourself. Um, I think. They obviously had a lot of issues with the White Album where they were kind of all doing their own thing. And this was, I assume, a way to try to force themselves to work together. Um, I think it's crazy that, you know, this, at least the first half of this first episode, they're spending so much time talking about 
this live show and arguing over where they're going to do it. Meanwhile, they haven't even written the songs that they're supposed to be singing. Like to me, that's nuts. You know, now we're in, we're at a you know time where you can you can buy tickets for a concert a year ahead of time before it even happens. And this is two weeks out and they don't even know if or where it's going to happen. And obviously, spoiler alert, it's not going to happen. This is not, you know, I'm not spoiling anything that didn't happen. What? But, um, yeah. This ended on a cliffhanger, Josh. Like, are the Beatles going to break <laughs> up here or what's happening? Like, you know, uh, it said that this, this meeting didn't go so well at Ringo's house uh, at the lunch. <laughs> Next time on Get Back. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> but John, John had actually a quote that I'm sure Peter put in there on purpose, uh, where he says something like, "You know, put me, put me under the gun, and that's when I'm at my best." And you know, maybe that's part of the reason they did it this way is because they know that at least in the state he was in when this was being filmed, John Lennon wasn't going to do much unless he was kind of forced to do it with a really tight timeline. And obviously, it sort of worked out. Whether or not you think "Let It Be." Uh, is a good album. I mean, most people didn't at the time. I think it's aged pretty well, though. I think that's exactly why it is a short timeline. And what's going on here is it has everything to do with John. Um, I think it also has a little bit to do with George, but a lot. I think John was hard to wrangle in these days to get to even get to, to, to get him to even come to the studio and get them to actually work with him was hard because he or right, for the just a little context here. At this time, he's a heroin addict. With him and Yoko, it's widely known that he was doing heroin. Um, at the same time, he had just broken up not that long before with his wife, Cynthia, his first wife. And is, you know, so he's like in the midst of like this transition with Yoko. He's about to marry her in like a few months, I think by the end of like April or May. So it's not that long for now. So he's kind of they're in that honeymoon love phase with each other and they don't ever want to leave each other's side, which I can understand. But at the same time, he's like in this band. So he's kind of like at a crossroads here. And so I can understand why it was hard to get him to do anything. But it's also I think he's going through a lot of turmoil personally in his personal life as well. Dave, do you think that this is kind of what brings out the best in music is all this, like, especially uh, a lot of tragedy, turmoil, kind of just it, it, it stirs it up in you. And that's where we get this, these great songs. And, and then you kind of get somebody like a Paul, who is such a good musician, a musician's musician, and kind of is able to, to wrangle John's energy. And I think I think you kind of see that, at least in this, this first hour, a couple hours of footage. Yeah, like I, it's kind of complex because I think it's kind of the answer is yes and no. Uh, that it, it's kind of like it, I was thinking watching this, I'm like, this is almost cruel what they did here. They're like, okay, yeah, Ringo has to start shooting a movie at the end of January, so therefore we have to do this in like two weeks, very specifically, and it's very tight. And I think for like Paul, it's great, you know, because Paul's just Mr. Energy, go, 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 I gotta write songs, and but and and if this is gonna get John going too, then even better. And and he's also just like I think Paul feels like he it's up to him to sort of keep everything together. But I think for John and where he is in his life, it's bad. I think it's it's not good for George specifically. Like I don't think he's really at his. I don't think he's writing his best songs on this album. Um, you know, I think his songs like "I Me Mine" and these other things he has in here are fine. 
but they're not like it's not his like best best work it's so it's uh i think that for paul it's it's really good because you're just seeing he's like i got energy i don't know what to do i'm just gonna write get back right now jojo was he just writes a new song like just like out of his head right like so like i think for him it's good and uh and i don't even know i didn't know all that about john specifically beyond heroin at this time so like i'm even retroactively kind of thinking about that but what I was really getting from the whole thing was that John and Paul like weren't at really a conflict. It didn't feel like it here. It's like, it's all seems to be on George and, and Paul seems to be right. the conflict of the band. I think, I think a lot of the John and Paul stuff is like, don't piss John off too much because I think John has this, like he's, he's, he's easy to piss off. And I think they know better and they kind of always keep it light you notice there's always they're always joking with him i at least that's how i kind of view it because and then he'll come in and he'll say something kind of cutting and it will really piss off like a george and like josh did you notice any of that with john like the kind of like you can see he's almost fragile i feel like throughout these first couple hours yeah i mean i think he's he's at this point in his life he's got a lot of other issues the beatles aren't his number one priority and he's kind of there out of a sense of obligation and yeah, he's he's like that one friend that everyone has where once they've had a couple drinks, you don't want to say anything too uh, upsetting to them because they're just going to like lose it and have a meltdown. And I think they all kind of realize that John's like that all the time at this point. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it was very interesting for me to see like at the very end kind of leading up to George walking out where it's not the way that at least from the quotes I've read that George Harrison spun it, that kind of John was sitting there spaced out and uh paul was going on and on and boring us and you know um making us play maxwell silver hammer over and over to me it almost seemed like you know paul and john were actually vibing there and they were kind of getting back some of that old magic and that's bringing george back to the early days of the beatles where he didn't do much creatively mm. um and i feel like he's sort of uh he's kind of sitting there waiting for his his turn uh on the ride uh to play with one of his songs meanwhile john and and uh paul are having the time of their lives like you know figuring out how to write these songs and george is kind of like okay i'm still here guys like you know you said i would have a chance to help in this album and you guys write your songs together and then i go home and write a new song by myself and then you guys don't care about it yeah that's exactly i i agree with that immensely because what in all the okay so george has gone to america just before this uh, in in 68 he's hanging out in woodstock he went to go meet bob dylan um a lot of what's going on with George is like he's learning. He's really a huge fan of the band at this time. That's why he's playing "I Shall Be Released," which is a Bob Dylan song, but famously played by the band. And he, he's he's starting to kind of jam in his own way. And he's like, okay, he's got all these songs, but they're all kind of slower songs. And like you see in this first a couple hours, I think John says to him at one point, like, "What are you doing playing that waltzy shit?" Like, you know, that's not a rocker or a rock band. Like, he says stuff like this, and George says, I don't give a fuck if you take it and play it or not. I don't care. You know, he's kind of like just kind of, he's, he's just had, he's mopey, but he's just had enough of like both Paul and John always getting their way in the band. And George Martin also says something. That, like that's related to that i feel like when he says well you know you know john and paul are a team and then i think uh dennis odell or or, or maybe it's uh 
Glenn says to him is like, well, but they're kind of like right on their own now. Like they're not really like a team. He's like, no, but they are right. Like he, and he's like, you mean for like publishing purposes? He's like, yes. You know? So like there, like, you can tell how much George Martin is very involved still in like the, he's not even producing this album, by the way, guys, it's, it'll end up being Phil Spector. He's just there, you know, but he's like consultant. Still- He's still so involved with the Beatles as far as like what they're doing, how they're doing it, who's considered the writing. Like, why couldn't, you know, uh, John and George write a song together? It was like almost like they weren't allowed to. And, you know, like or they didn't want to. Or maybe you're right. Like, Josh, maybe it was like John and Paul just like we're the team and that's it. And, you know. Dave, how do you like? How do you kind of take you know go off? Yeah, that uh, for so, John is de- or George is definitely sort of odd man out here. It feels mm-hmm. like you know he's not um, there. Like I feel like even though John's the one with all these other issues, it seems to be that George is cranky and George doesn't want to be a team player. And uh, and I think that the what I also like Ringo doesn't seem to care. Ringo's like I'm here to play drums. I'm I'm Win- I'm the Winston of this uh, Ghostbusters. Like I'm just I'm here for the paycheck, and I, I go and I, I don't care. So all the squabbling among the other three, he kind he doesn't seemingly take much interest in. I don't know if that's if that's I, accurate. I but. I think he doesn't say a word for like the for like other than he talks to Dennis O'Dell about the movie he's going to be shooting in a few weeks, and he even says to him, "Oh, this won't take two weeks." You know, he thinks it'll take nine days. Like, you know, so like Ringo thinks it's going to be even faster than two weeks that they'll bust these 14 songs out. Yeah. So there's a lot of different parts of this that I'm not necessarily uh, like quite understanding. Like, I don't know if the, if the cameras are on is having an effect either. Um, you know, that is, 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 is because we hear like off, like Paul tells us like, well, Ringo's the one who doesn't want to go to the, that desert place by the sea or whatever. Libya. Yeah. Yeah in Libya to does, do the show, right? He does anybody else does anybody else feel like that would have been a really stupid thing to do? Like the, this this director pushing this this amphitheater in the desert, like I wanted to punch that guy in the face by halfway through this episode. Every, Every single conversation, yeah, yeah, he was bringing it back to that like, "Oh, you need to go to the washroom." Well, guess where they have nice washrooms? In Libya. Like, let's go. Like, <laughs> like he's always wait. bringing it back. He must own shares in this place or something. I don't want to spoil it, but in the second, in the second part, George Harrison literally <laughs> shits all over this idea, and it's amazing. So. It's horrible. They're the Beatles. They don't need a. <laughs> they don't need to play in this crazy like you know place. It's about them and the music and the fans. There's also a lot of really bad symbolism with a bunch of like British guys going down to like the former colonies to like bring their music, music and culture, and play in the Middle East. You know what I mean, or Africa. It's it, it, I don't know. It, it seems so crazy to me that that might have happened. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the, the they seem to kind of have all these big ideas, but they didn't. Really, it's a '60s too. It's like they 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 keep going for something new and different and original, and they get you know. So I understand why they were thinking that way, but then logistically. They were thinking, oh, we're gonna have to buy a big boat and take all of our fans on this giant boat and drive it to Libya so we could have all the fans there because we can't have Libyan fans because none of them will understand what we're saying. You know, park the boat in the harbor at Liverpool and play on the boat if you want a boat. Like, why do you have to go anywhere? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so like that there's I'm not as I'm not as much of like a Beatles historian as maybe you two are. And so like with this whole thing about like they give us this this whole the whole first 
I don't know, 10 minutes or so is all like this sort of like background information. I think he wants Peter Jackson wanted this series to be accessible to the non Beatles fan too. However, if you were not, if you didn't know anything about the Beatles before this, I don't know if you would enjoy this. Like just, you know how this is like, seems like something that a super fan would be more into, but it gives all this background. Okay. Yeah. They Beatlemania and Brian Epstein and all this background on him. And then how they were like, okay, no more touring. We're only going to make like these psychedelic albums now. And we're going to get more creative in the studio. And then Epstein dies and they explain that they had to, they formed this new company, Apple. And that Apple is the like um, their their managers, and then but like what I, what I also get from this is like who's in charge exactly creatively, or who's leading this? Because it seems like the Apple is just run by a bunch of dopes. Like every time that manager guy was talking about Libya, I was like, this guy needs to shut up. Everything he says is bad. And then that was, was the, that was the director of, of, of yeah, he's movie. the director of the movie, Michael oh. Lindsay Hogg, who also directed like the paperback writer video. He directed the Hey Jude video. He directed Rain. Like he he did a lot of their music videos back in the day that's why he was tapped to do this okay well, he just fair. wanted something cool on his reel like oh we're in an amphitheater in, in whatever libya like he i don't like that guy at all yeah he's an yeah. artsy fartsy filmmaker in the 1960s and and he had a lot of big ideas that were stupid and even the beatles who wanted to do create something big here were like eh, no you know so and rightfully so because you know again there's a lot going on personally with these guys these guys aren't the beatles from 1965 that are like you know wearing the tight suits and are traveling the world and are are you know they're, they're they've they've been in england for like two years straight basically and have not left have not toured have not gone in front of a live audience like i think paul even says at one point like but, but you know, in, in the background they do say that they haven't done like a live show but they did do like the hey jude music video or whatever and there was like there was a, a group of people there that all get up on stage and whatever and they they were oh we like that so we want to do something and it seems like like the, these apple people the people that work for them their managers and whoever are sort of trying to like let's get you in, in front of a crowd again because you guys are getting a little bit too maybe introverted or something I feel like it's what they're thinking. Like I feel like the Beatles are sort of being pushed back out by by these yeah. people. And apparently, well, like, like according to the dialogue in here, it's actually John is the person that wants to go in front of an audience. It's which is kind of odd to think when you think about it, because um, you know he's the one with the most going on personally. I think, and uh, the rest of them, like Paul especially, I don't like don't think they want to go perform right now they kind of want to like bust out their songs because they have all these ideas and they have these songs in their head and they want to keep those fresh so they can get them recorded you know which i can understand josh like um what do you think like is do you think they're all kind of going different directions here like george is like his heart's in india paul's his heart's in the studio john wants to go do a live show and ringo wants to make a movie is that about right yeah like they're all they're all at they all have different priorities none of their top priority is the Beatles, except maybe Paul, but like Ringo, yeah, he's do, he's trying to get into films because the other Beatles have done that. At least uh, Paul and John, I, I know John for sure had done some movies at the time. Um, you know, John just cares about Yoko at this point and drugs probably. Um, so yeah, they're all kind of doing their own thing. And you know, going back to this director guy, uh, what's his name, Michael Lindsay Hogg. Yeah. Um, how many times in this episode does he say? I don't want to say that you owe it to the fans because you know you don't, but I feel like we really owe it to the fans <laughs> to put on like one last show. And again, I think he's just trying to, you know, make a name for himself with this video. He's he's trying to persuade them to do something that I don't think 
any of them want to do like even john who wants to do the show i think he's the one who keeps saying why don't we just do it here like it can be intimate like it doesn't need to be some crazy mm -hmm. thing um so i don't know and i think it makes sense that john wants to do it i think he's the he's not the guy who wants to sit there in the studio every day like this for you know another other albums take you know months not weeks i think he'd rather do it this way you get it done in a few weeks you record the show and then he's done with his his album and he's probably planning on leaving the beatles right yeah, I th it's it's been kind of reported that he right around here he's he kind of softly leaves the Beatles, but but he agrees to stick around to finish their songs for Abbey Road because Let It Be is even though it's the last album that was released, it was actually these songs were done first, and that's why there are some Abbey Road songs that are being recorded here and 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 being kind of worked out here like Maxwell Silverhammer um, that they will record later. But it, it's it's pretty kind of acknowledged that that he was looking to leave before then they kind of knew that you can see it on their faces in a lot of different scenes where like paul uh, at one point like when george leaves he goes and then john lennon doesn't show up he kind of says like you can see tears in his eyes and he says um you know then there were two with you know hit meaning him and ringo and and you can kind of see you know the writing on the wall like in paul's face like he knows that like this isn't working and this is coming to an end and it's mostly because of John and of what's going on with John at the time. So, and it's not really, they, they're kind of letting John, John's like speak for himself uh, as far as like his, who he is and what's going on. They're not really giving us a lot of context to him, I find, but they are with George and they are with Paul. But with John, um, you know, like just like months before, like the, the whole breakup of his marriage, that you know, none of that is discussed in the opening prologue where they go through the whole history of the Beatles. Like a whole, they're going through like 15 years of history, like yeah. in a couple in a couple minutes. Right. So there's a lot like, that gets left out here. But what I definitely got like just observing John in this like this first part, it was like, well, he's kind of longing for the old days because he keeps coming. He He's like just like playing like these old um songs like from the tv shows or whatever and then he would just play he he was like let's play that song we used to open up uh on stage with like you know maybe he's missed like, rock and I, roll I, I guess he's the one yeah he's missing the rock and roll feel being in front of a crowd having everyone cheer for him and then you know you know and uh, paul here wants to write like oobla dee oobla da and you know like these very stylistically different songs from what john really writes but i think like to the business aspects, the more songs that they pump out here in like the next couple of months on let it be and Abbey road, the more money he's going to make long-term, the more like financially stable he'll be for the future. And he knows it. Right. So he, I think he's just like, he's like, okay, I'm going to like put my head down and try to get through this. Although I think Paul's not impressed with what his contributions in, in, uh, through most of this. Right. Cause he goes, have you written anything? And he goes, Nope. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if Paul minds that. I don't know if Paul minds that much. I think Paul likes writing as much as he can. Like one thing that I found interesting about the way, like at least what we saw here, and I'm sure it's you know something that's you know I've suspected before. I'm not like a super Beatles historian type person, but when Paul's writing these some of these songs, he's kind of got the music down, and he's got like a few of the like he's got the chorus or he's got a few of the lines, and then he's kind of filling in with just like blah blah blah. Like he's just making up words and he's adding in the lyrics later. Whereas, for example, John, like with Across the Universe, he's basically said, you know, I wrote this song to be like a poem. The music isn't what matters. It's the lyrics. And I find a lot of, especially his later songs, it's almost like John's like a, like a rapper. Like he kind of comes up with these complex lyrics with complex meanings and then fills in the song. 
whereas Paul writes the music first and then fills in the words. And I think that might be why they worked so well together earlier on and maybe right. why their music's so different later on. Like, you know, it's it's interesting because their their songs are so distinct from each other, especially like, you know, White Album and, uh, you know, Let It Be and Abbey Road. Like their songs are really different at that point. And a great example of what you're talking about, Josh, is definitely the song "Give Me Some Truth." When they're when they're working on that, like they're like, "Oh, let's run through that," because he said he like John had that song, and all all of a sudden, uh, Paul remembered it better than John did. Like he just starts like you know, money for rope, right? And he starts doing all that stuff, and then like, and then that then John's like, "Oh yeah, I got the lyrics." Like so, I think you're right. Like I think a lot of the time, Paul has the melody or has the the, the the chord progression and then john would fill in the lyrics and and would change the lyrics up uh, of what paul would originally write and then that's kind of how it worked and, and that was the the chemistry like, Dave, i you... also like thought like john like watching this tonight like john's a bit of like a I, I like he's just got his head in the clouds i guess is the only way i can put it like when he's talking to that uh, producer guy like the guy who owns twickenham he's like where do we get all like these plastic boxes like boxes of plastic and we stack them all over the place and we we could do different shapes and i'm just like what are you talking about john lennon like what are you what are, what are you going on about you know and then he's got like yoko ono with him all the time which is like a whole other thing like in this uh like i was watching it with jane and she's like yeah this is uncomfortable like she makes this uncomfortable and i was like i have to imagine he's acting different with yoko yoko here right like is that what's happening like they're seeing him as a different person where they can't approach him the same way so he's kind of they they don't make eye contact with her most of the time uh and 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 you know so she's just kind of like on there um yeah, she's, you know, the Beatles broke up because she sat on an amp. Yeah, like, you know, that's kind of the famous line that Paul says, you know, here. And was she a, like a, a big reason for why the band broke up? No, I don't think so. But at the same no. time, I, you're 100% right, Dave. It's weird that she's just like hanging out while they're like busting through songs. And like, she doesn't need to be right beside him. Like she can like, you know, like, but she wants to be. But like, at the same time, the band is like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't bring my wife. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. They like uh, Linda shows up, who I don't think is married to Paul yet at that point, but they're married a few months later. And Olivia's there, um, who's uh, George's. Uh, no, sorry, Patty. Yeah, sorry, Patty's not there. Olivia's there, who's Ringo's wife. Right. Um, and but they're there on like the Friday before the weekend. Yeah, they're only they're there going out sometimes. Of, they're only there in like one day. They're not. But I think. Honestly, I think Yoko, the whole she broke up the Beatles, that's not true. I think she's like a symptom of John's problems that broke up the Beatles. Like John, it was a very, uh, Jeff, you said that earlier, he was a very volatile person. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that she's around him all the time is because he probably had a lot of trust issues. He didn't really want to like, yeah. you know, almost like let her out of his sight. Like, you know, he was a notorious cheater. He probably assumed she's going to do that. He's just kind of dragging her everywhere he goes. And yeah, I don't know. It's, I think, it's, I, I, think I feel bad for her. I think it's even deeper than that. I think it's like uh, with John, there's a lot of um, tragedy that surrounded him. Like his mother died when he was 15, when he just reconnected with her. Stuart Sutcliffe died, like, you know, when the Beatles were just getting going. Like there was just a bit of his dad left him. Like he's, he was an orphan. He was like, all these different things with him where it just never went his way personally. And the only thing that seemed to be his anchor was the Beatles. But then the whole thing with Cynthia happened with Yoko 
where I don't know if you guys know that story, but basically Cynthia left on like a trip and like Paul, I believe Paul introduced John to Yoko and like he went to this thing at a museum and met her and then invited her back. And then Cynthia actually knew about that part, but then she left and then like she came back and then like found them naked in the, like, that's when the whole two virgins thing happened. Like, and then the only thing he said was like, Oh, hi. Like when, when she walked in the door, you know, so like you know there's wasn't this whole, me wasn't me you know or it was me but you know sorry you know but you know basically is what happened with him and right. so this is only like six months before this you know like there's not it's not a long period of time the beatles really like the thing i really noticed about all six of these all four of them um especially john and paul like they seem so much older than their ages like here oh, yeah. like paul is only 26 here and john is 28 like right. and Ringo's twenty eight, right? Yeah, and and, so that, and that George makes George's twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like they're crazy young here, right? You know, and like I'm older than they are now, or I'm older now than they were then. That's what we all we all are. Yeah, yeah, we all are, right? But significantly, but like some of them, like when they show that Brian Epstein dead at thirty two, I'm like, there's that guy's not thirty two. I'm thirty two like, right now. Like and Epstein yeah. looks like he's about forty eight. You know, yeah. when he died, uh, but he was 32, apparently like they, Mr. Epstein uh, and um, yeah, John in particular, I don't think quite, he's just a kind of a strange looking guy, I think, but um, like, yeah, like, like Paul looks like a baby. Uh, George kind of uh, Ringo. It's not how much they look. It's like the, the way they act. Like they're so mature. I find for like, for the way, like they're so lived. I don't, I wouldn't use the mature, uh, adjective but they they seem like they've really lived in like a six-year period since they were like it's 20 20 years old it's ridiculous how short of a time like the beatles were together like when you think about like oh they have all these albums they had all this success but at the very start of the first episode like oh 1956 like john lennon's 15 and they're starting a band and like wait they go from 15 year old kids starting a band to like 12 years later the band's broken up they're all like you know, on drugs or whatever, they've all been divorced. They've had like their manager, um, well, not their man, whatever uh, Brian Epstein was, their showrunner essentially, like probably kill himself. They've had, you know, members, yeah. you know, you mentioned uh, Stu Sucliffe earlier, like leave the band and die like two months later. Like yeah. it's crazy how much shit happened in 12 years. Like 12 years is not a long time. Like I remember 12 years ago, I'm like, oh, that was like, you know, 2000, that was five years ago. You know what I mean? Like 12 years ago was 2009. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, like think about like we, we we started first going to Vashel events, Jeff, like in the back in the day. Like right. that's not that's about that length of time. It's not insignificant, but like yeah, they they just they they have some city miles. Like they're kind of unique. Like they kind of know that they're these different kind of people that like are the most famous people in the world, uh, in in many ways, the biggest band. But they feel this immense pressure, like to compete. I think to be yeah. like keep up with like bands like the Rolling Stones. They mentioned like. Uh, Billy Preston and their other contemporaries that they feel like, oh, we got to keep going. Like you guys just need to take like a couple months off or a couple years off even and just come back to it. But I think Paul just couldn't stop. I think that John, I don't know, like he seems burnt out and just wants to do his own thing and just doesn't want to. They tried. They tried to do like like holidays. They went to India for like a month or something like that. But like they they tried to kind of do, but they needed to do like a longer break. You know, they really did. Like after they toured and then they went into the studio, they, they never stopped. They never really took a good 
break. And, and so I think that was kind of also a part of their detriment was because Paul, I think you're right, Dave is the workaholic in the Beatles by far. Like he is the guy that's like, look, come on, lads, we'll get it going. And come on, we'll write about 14 songs in 10 days. Let's do it. <laughs> well, he made it, he made a comment at the start of the episode where he's like, I hate being the boss. And I don't think that's him trying to be like, like, Oh, I'm the boss now. I think it's literally like Br Brian Epstein's gone. I'm mm -hmm. the one like every trying to make things happen with this band. And I'm, I, I hate this role. Cause I have to be the bad guy. Right. Like they were the, they were the kids and they had Brian, their like dad to corral them. And now Paul has to do that. And it's, yeah. You know. He has to be like Matthew uh, uh, Fox on um, party of five. Right. Like, you know, the parents are dead and he's like the oldest. He's not, even though he's not the oldest, but he's, he's kind of like the one, it's almost like the dad died. And then there's four brothers and like one of them's like, okay, lads, we got to pull it together. And we got to like, you know, do this, right? They can even talk about that. They're like, when he died, like there's now no one to kind of tell us to wear suits and to get up there and do it, um, you know? And so now I'm the one doing it, but I don't, Paul, this is Paul. Paul doesn't want to be the one to have to do it, but there's no one well, else. Is and that also has to do a lot with what's going on with John. John was the boss, the leader of the band. And now all, like Paul was like, you know, secondary boss. And then George is like, like you know george and ringo are kind of like especially at the beginning of the beatles the help you know and and then george becomes his own thing as he becomes a really really good um a songwriter are all of them still alive no john uh john is dead and so is george both of those guys are john was john murdered. died a long time ago he died you know, before long. i was born yeah he died before all of us were born um yeah uh, george's pretty recent again 2001 just, doesn't seem that long ago i remember when 20 it happened. years ago like, he's oh. been for 20 years yeah, yeah. I remember what happened. I was like, oh, the Beatles. I know that. My parents like have a bunch of albums of those guys and they have good music. I was, I think I was 13. Uh, it just, yeah, it just goes to show though, Josh, like, yeah, like I was the same. Like I remember I was watching Star Trek one, one day it was 2000 and I think it was November, 2001. And all of a sudden, yeah, like the news came on. I was like, oh, George Harrison is dead. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea who the Beatles were. I was 10 years old. And that's when I started getting into the Beatles uh, about a year after that. And then I've been a fan ever since. But it's amazing how timeless these guys' music is. You know, like it, it's it, there's it, it never seems dated. Anything, everything with them, like there's not a single song really that comes across like, oh, that doesn't work anymore. You know, like all of them are just Maggie May. Right, right. Well, Maggie, they May. have these little short interlude songs that are just really weird, or like piggies on the white album. Like, you're just like, what are they doing? This is fun, but come on, this would never work now. Yeah, no, well, I see what you're saying. Like, it, it, yeah, oh, well, that was the other thing I wanted to kind of bring up is like, this kind of shows like how the music industry kind of chews up and spits bands out. And this is kind of like the, the, the documentary to me that shows you the biggest band in the world what the music industry kind of did to these guys you know like they they kind of these these especially john paul and george were like best friends for like a long long time you know and they got to like the end of a road here where they're bickering with each other they're they're getting to a point where you know the, yeah they're doing drugs their their personal lives are, are are kind of in turmoil like i believe at the same time george is having a, um a lot of problems with his wife patty so you ha have that going on. You have the John and Yoko thing. And then you have Paul um, had just recently broken up with Jane Nasser and, and is now with Linda Eastman. So, you know, that is the crazy thing that's here that's going on with the Beatles. Is there's so much 
accumulating. They're trying to hold it all together with no manager. And at the same time, they're like, hey, you know what would be a good idea? Let's document this. You are know? you recording our conversations, are you? <laughs> oh, that's <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's cool, though. Like, we, you guys kind of, you touched on it at the very start, Jeff, how it's like, as a historian, like, you know, I think it's cool, at, like, even with um, They Shall Not Grow Old, Peter Jackson's, like, yep. first yep. big documentary uh, using original footage. Like, we're now in an age where things that we have on camera, we have recordings, are history now. Like, this Beatles, you know, uh, Let It Be movie, when it came out, it wasn't history yet. It was just a documentary from the time. But now we're, like, you know, what, 56, 50 years later, more than 50 years later, we're watching like one of the most famous bands of all time just hanging out like that's cool like we're yeah, we're like yeah. this is this is access you you it's not like we had cameras in the room like you know uh when alexander was planning his like conquests of of persia things like that like we're right. we're actually seeing these cool things happen like we can watch them it's cool it's like it's it's, it's definitely cool well, it's an I original source yeah that was the whole allure like you know i i've seen a lot of this original documentary and like you, you know never in this quite this quality like once they were showing the promos and you're like oh wow that's paul mccartney and he looks like it's right it looks like it's right now I, it looks like you know if you're watching it on like a good quality television you're like oh, okay hey there's paul Mac like i can really like look back at these uh people from like the times before i was born where i was like you know because the the, the tv quality and frame rates weren't as good back then i was they always seemed like so ancient like the 60s the 70s it was like even it like some parts of the 80s which i was I, I lived through but um but it wasn't that long ago and and like josh is right with peter jackson's world war one thing like you go and watch that which is like a hundred years ago and to see that in HD is even kind of spookier because like, you're like, whoa, this is like actually like being there. And it's the same here. Like uh, you're right though. Like are you go buy, like if you go and put the let it be documentary side by side with some of this footage, it, it it's night and day. Like it really is. And, and it's really interesting how like, you're right. Like it, it places you in the room. Yeah. And you kind of get to really see like, oh, that's what John Lennon was really like. Because we don't really, other than interviews, have this. Right. And that's why it's such a present for, for an early Christmas present for Peter Jackson to give us this. Because like, um, I don't know, I'm just a huge fan of the band, but also like these people. And and, and like, I don't know, do you feel that way, Josh, too? Like, do you kind of like go, oh, man, it's just cool to see these people be them and not have to like it's on an interview it's like a choreographed answer they gave you know or whatever yeah, yeah exactly it's like it, we talked about earlier they're younger than we are now and we're looking at them and you can kind of see them as like a person like they're these young kids essentially who have become super famous and super rich and they're trying to like make this thing work and it's not working um you know it again like i hate to bring an analogy to like a different a different genre but it's like watching like a sports documentary like there was recently like that whole toronto maple leafs thing on amazon prime where one you see these players do interviews and they're just completely rehearsed completely right. like cardboard it's boring then you watch something like this where it's somewhat staged and it's not really real like yeah it's a documentary behind the scenes but they're all super aware of what's going on this is like another degree removed whereas yeah these guys know this is in the room like john and 
and Paul and Ringo and George know there's cameras in the room, but you can tell they're not on their guard the whole time. And that's what makes it so cool. And I don't even know if that is realistic now without literally hiding cameras, which is, you know, unethical. I think everyone is so aware of the fact that you could be filmed at any time because of cell phones, that this is like a snippet in history where something like this was possible to get like a truly candid yeah, video it wouldn't of this. Now, exactly, Josh, because because people are sort of aware more of that kind of thing and a little bit more paranoid turning their head. And back then, they, you know, Paul kind of jokes like, well, what, you know, one day we'll be like, this will be a whole TV show. Uh, you know, like the whole thing here will be a TV show. Can you imagine? Right. It, you know, it's like, I'll remember <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. TV, uh, <laughs> um, you know, but like, it's like the whole idea, like of the reality TV and kind of watching celebrities up close and kind of doing whatever that didn't really exist yet. Um, that was, that was decades away. So, so yeah, they're, they're, they are so much more relaxed and to watch them work creatively, like to write these songs and go, what about this? What about that? It's kind of just, really interesting like you would never get this like where else are you gonna get something like this what other kind of uh, band or artist has has a, a documentary quite like this i can't think of one right off the top of my head um it's pretty it's unique yeah i really wish like other bands did this you know i wish we had uh rolling stones or the band or the who or just to kind of see the process of how they wrote songs in the studio how they figured it out, how they kind of who was in charge of what as far as melodies, lyrics, you know, because it'd just be cool to, you know, watch that stuff. But I do. The one thing I will say about like, yes, they are aware of the cameras, um, but at the same time, they own Apple and Apple is making this documentary. And so they have fun. They know they're going to have final cut. And that's the other thing that is changing here before they were very um you know, they, uh, beholden to EMI and George Martin. And you can see that this is the the time where like, they're now the bosses, but like, it's like, I don't know. They're a little too, they're a little they, too they're, young. They're, they're late twenties. Like they're not, they're very inexperienced still. And they're not, they're, they have no business training. Right. They, and they even say that a lot. Like we had no idea what we were doing, you know, business wise and, and, and uh, music business wise, especially. And they wanted to like this Apple company they started was to do movies and film and uh, it was, you know, it was TV shows and music. And they were going to, uh, they, they were trying to get all these different artists, including like James Taylor and all these different people to come in and, and record under their label. And it's just like, can you guys just like figure out like your, your songs but they the thing is they didn't want to be beholden to emi anymore and and so i get it i understand like what was going on but at the same time like man they they, they pile a lot on their shoulders i think unnecessarily uh josh what do you kind of make of like 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 do you think they're just worn out here like and paul is just like is the only one who's not worn out and the others are just kind of over it you know well i i don't even know if it's like that Paul's not worn out. I think Paul just might have a little, at this point in his life, a little more um, mental, not mental capacity, but like he's, he's, he still cares about, I guess, making the music or he gets that it's important. But I think there's the one scene with like George Martin and Paul and they're talking about like buying sheet music, like rights to music so they can sell sheet music. And, mm -hmm. and uh, like, like they're literally just again they're they're sort of aged beyond their years they're all kind of thinking about now like their long-term financial well-being their long-term business interests and you know the the idea that they've created this multimedia company in the 1960s that's doing film and television and bringing together stars like they're like the original mcu like this was like a good idea it's just 
they were probably stretching themselves too thin based on, like you said, a lot of them are having a lot of pers personal issues. They're probably too young to be doing this, but I think it's uh, like, it's really cool. Like it, it makes me kind of feel shitty about myself that these guys are younger than me and they're like, oh yeah, I'm over being like a world famous rock musician. Like that's boring. Like let's buy some rights to some music where, where uh, we can make money for a long time selling sheet music to schools and stuff. Like it's cool. It's, while, it's interesting while at the same time writing some of the best pop songs ever written while at the same time producing a documentary while at the same time starting a label and starting a new recording studio while at the same time setting up this whole thing at twickenham while Ringo's going to go film a movie like like there's just so much going on and i i've you know none of us will probably ever be celebrities and live the celebrity lifestyle but even celebrities i think don't live this hectic of a schedule i think they you know i think they enjoy their lives at least a little bit i think they work when they have to and and, and it's tough like for certain parts but uh, uh this is like nuts like i think i think the the drugs might have something to do with it but dave like what do you make of like their lifestyle like because this kind of to me gives you a glimpse into their lifestyle here yeah, a little bit but like you know like it's not exactly like party hearty like rock and roll like you would think it's like at one point he's like hey do you want a beer i'll have a glass of wine uh, right, right. You know, like like they they're they're smoking like chimneys like they're chain smoking like uh you know crazy but like there's always somebody smoking but uh, that, like i didn't feel like they were pounding it now who's doing drugs uh, you know off camera there's a lot of time we don't see here right you know they're like hey we're going to lunch what happened at lunch <laughs> um you know so it's uh but like i thought it was like, it was like they're they're pretty professional for the most part uh i think you know considering their 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 relative age here and like that they're they've sort of lived this crazy life already uh and they're like well, this is how we have to get through it how many songs did they already written you know how many gold records do they already have at this point you know yeah. they know how to write a song they know how to all of them right like yeah. um it's yep. so this it's just like it's it's like they're at a certain point where they're like I guess did it did they have the motivation? Do they have the hunger? Do they have the drive? And that's kind of what this this documentary. I think the the who is the original filmmaker guy? You said his name Michael was? Lindsay Hogg. Yeah, I feel like to him he was like I'm I'm making a documentary that's about the breakup of the Beatles. And even like Ringo's like, but you're just surmising that you don't know that we're going to we're just a bit cranky since Epstein died, you know. Yeah um and, and like the i think the filmmakers like no you guys are breaking up i know it and I'm, I'm that's what this is my moment and that's why i want to film you in libya yeah <laughs> i kind of agree with both of you that the original filmmaker was not he was good at make shooting a music <laughs> video but i don't know what the hell they were thinking hiring him to do this documentary uh i i just think you're right like he had a lot of dumb ideas and they had to kind of you know shoot him down and be like all right you can set up here and then we're gonna come hang out and work some songs out and you know i don't think they were gonna like they had decided to break up here too i think yeah he was almost willing that into existence uh um, it seemed like well you know you had said that uh or someone said earlier that john was like i'm gonna get out of here like you know he had already kind of given notice that he was eventually gonna leave the beatles within the year um and you know then george quits here in this episode too right like and so yes. it's does he know that john was leaving and why quit here and, and well i i don't think they like he had told them yet but it was like well it was kind of like understood 
that John has a lot going on, and I don't know if he really wants to be doing the Beatles long term. He's he is, has a famous quote that he said when he was like twenty or twenty one years old. He's like, well, by the time I get to thirty years old, I won't be singing she love you know love me do or she loves you. I won't be doing Beatles songs. Is basically what he said. And so I think he knew that this it was getting to that point. He was twenty eight, twenty going on twenty. He'll turn twenty nine at the end of the year. He I think knew that he wanted to be done with the Beatles by the time he was 30. And I think he had told them a lot of the other Beatles that, you know, um, but it wasn't like a for sure thing, but it was like an idea that was definitely implanted in their heads, I think. Um, but, you know, it's an you watch his, his body language. You watch kind of the way John is amongst them. Like he's always joking. He's not taking things, you know, super seriously. He only kind of goes like, oh, all right, I'm bringing my songs in. And then but, you know, and then Paul helps him work them out. But he's not really working them out with George. George is just like the help again. A lot of the times I understand why George left because okay, yeah because yeah, this this whole thing to me is about George's frustrations, like how he's just like, you guys don't hear me. And then. And, and it seems like Paul's always trying to be fussy with him. He's like, no, don't play it like that. Play it like this or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, it's and like a little like, brother, like a little brother dynamic. That's why it would have been interesting if Jake was here because we got like an older and a younger brother. But I feel yeah. like John and, and Paul are kind of used to just telling George, like, do this, do that. Oh, you wrote a song. Good job. Like, yeah. meanwhile, George goes off. He, yeah. And he goes out and hangs out with Eric Clapton and Bob Dylan. And they treat him like contemporaries. And they're like, oh, you're like one of the other great guitarists of our time. And he's like, well, yeah, I am the leading guitarist of the number one band in the world, but I'm also like the third, you know, guy Almost, in the band, right? you I'm, know, out of four. So I, I think like everyone knows me last. Everyone knows even they know Ringo more than me. Yeah. When I was a kid, when George died, I was like, oh, like I know, I know Paul McCartney because, you know, he was in the Simpsons and I know John Lennon because he got killed. And I remember at Forrest Gump, they, that that's like a thing. And uh, I knew Ringo Starr because he was on Shining Time Station. Right. Um, and then I was like, oh, George Harrison. He's like the other one. And, you know, he's also the lead guitarist. That's crazy. That's right. Ringo Starr and George Carlin shared the role of the conductor. Right? Uh, That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Two of the goats. Uh, I think you're right about that because, like, George also, I think, had a lot of amazing songs, like, just in his vault that they wouldn't even let him put on the White Album. And the White Album, you know, is right, right before this. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Like, he really got, I think he got, like, four songs on there or something. And not a lot of his good ones. And, and, and you know, so, like, at the beginning of this, they start working on All Things Must Pass, and which is one of the best George songs. And it, it doesn't end up on a Beatles record, but it could have, you know. But I think John and Paul and George Martin kind of kiboshed a lot of his ideas and his songs and didn't want to work on them. Like, they didn't want to help him out as much, too. Like, I can understand why he felt that way. And it, a lot of it had to do with singing, I think, because like Bob Dylan, I've seen an interview with him talk about that before where, um, you know, he's like, Oh, how do you get songs past Lennon and McCartney? It's pretty hard to do. Like Paul's Paul's one of the best musicians ever. And John's one of the best singers ever is what Bob Dylan said. And he's like, how are you going to get a, how are you going to get a song on an album when you have those two guys, you know, right. uh, which I can understand. Yeah, I guess it's like being on a really talented hockey team, and you know, it's got Gretzky and it's got Lemieux, and uh, well, I guess you're you're the third best. You're um, you're Mitch Marner, you're Brett Hall or something, right? Or you're you know you're whatever. Like you're you're gr you're great, but you're not as great as the next two there. And, and they, that's kind of why the Beatles were sort of like this amazing thing is that they were so much talent 
that just came from kind of nothing, right? Like a bunch of teenagers playing in their garages and dungeons. And then Ringo came along. Ringo was kind of his own, had his own path, right? Uh, but but the three of them really are like siblings. Yeah, they like they well, John and George. I mean, sorry, Paul and George went to the same like grammar school. Like they literally knew each other since they were like eight or nine years old. And they're they basically a year apart, right? It's like you know, uh, John's a year older than Paul, and Paul's a year older than George. Right, but like they didn't meet John until like John was John's older than him, but like he was like sixteen and they were like fourteen or something like that. So like it was a little bit later. Like John and uh, Paul, Paul and George knew each other longer, right? And so like and and Paul basically brought George into the band once he met John. So like I agree with what Josh said that he's like the younger brother, and it's like you know, I think there's a little bit of like you know. You know, my partnership is with John, not with you, not with you. And like, I don't want to say like, oh, you're lucky to be here. But it's kind of like, you know, I helped you come into this band. You're world famous now. And it's a lot to do with the success of our partnership, John and uh, Paul's partnership. You know, he, he seems to think, though, that George's songs are inferior to his and John's there. Well, I think John thinks that more than Paul does. Um Paul, I think, like likes to work on his songs, but at the same time, he's got all these other songs, you know, that that he's got to bust out. You know, like he's like he comes up with "Get Back," he's got "Let It Be," he's got he's got all these songs just in his vault of head of his head. And I think George also has all these songs, but they're very different. They're very slow. Like go listen to "All Things Must Pass." Like all those songs, like "Isn't It a Pity," like all those songs that he has are very slow and melancholy and um and i think big time john was the one that kind of shot it down but that's not what this documentary tries to portray to us so you're right dave they try to portray to us that paul is the one that kiboshed a lot of george's stuff which i don't necessarily think is completely true i think he he definitely did kibosh things but i think also john did john it's like if it wasn't a rocker i think john kind of was like eh, i don't know about this you know right well how much do you think got left out here right and what and do you think there were certain things that maybe uh john lennon died in 1980 and 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 uh and george in 2001 so they're it's their uh their respective like widows right like yeah. olivia olivia harrison and yoko ono who have to yeah. speak on their behalf and would say i do want this or i don't want this whereas mm -hmm. paul and ringo are alive and they they have direct license over what they would allow or not be allowed to kind of be shown here and yeah. so paul can say don't show you know don't show that about john i'll it'll make it more like i was me or show the parts about me saying this right i could 100 percent see that i could yeah i could totally see peter there's... jackson please do you don't wait to be disparaging the john's memory that's my really dad uh, i could see lem leaving out certain harshness of john towards george and stuff like that i could i could see that because um yeah they're both gone they can't speak for themselves anymore the, uh, i saw an interview with peter jackson talking about there's this whole thing where they're laughing about um uh, you know there's an article about how uh, when you know how they have the meeting at ringo's house and it says it doesn't go well there's a whole story that those two got into a fist fight ringo and, and who no so john and george john and george did at the at yeah that Okay. that's that's the story but like you know peter jackson says like he has like it's i think it's in the second episode where they start talking about it and they start laughing about it because it wasn't true 
and they start kind of like going like fisticuffs and they're like, I'll bring it here because they're reading it in the newspaper. Like that was the story that was written about. Right. And he, and he, he was like, Peter Jackson said that it really upset him at first, like that, that was the story, but the two guys who can't speak to it are both gone that he was so happy to learn that that didn't happen, that that was right. made up. That was you like know? a myth. Yeah. They said the two guys who are alive. Well, yeah. And so <laughs> Peter Jackson, yeah. And, and he said the most they ever fought was one time they were in Hamburg and John threw a piece of cake at George or something like that. It was like they threw food at him. <laughs> You know, so like that was the closest they ever came to like actual fisticuffs or something like that. But I don't know. I I imagine there was a few arguments and pushing and shoving. I could see living that tight quarters for that. I long. think yeah. like that's just gonna happen. You know, yeah. young guys like that. Like if it was a hockey team or a band or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. Uh, the only other thing I like wanted to put in that I was kind of thinking and watching the episode is mm-hmm. I think a lot of the George and the George, you know, wanting to feeling left out thing might just be like a personality thing. Like um, you talked about it earlier. It's like a partnership almost between John and Paul. I feel like yeah. when Paul writes a song, he's writing it thinking of him and John yeah. and John writes a song. He's thinking of him and Paul, whereas the way George writes songs, like I think he even said it in the episode when he was writing, I Me mine, he's like, Oh, it's really nice. Cause I can just like, play it myself i don't really need any backing like he's writing his own songs for himself to play whereas the other guys are writing songs for the band and that might me be why they don't give it as much uh they don't give him as much time for his songs because they kind of figure oh like george gets his own little george songs and that's what he wants this they is don't... what george is doing i mean mine i mean mine i mean yeah mine. and personally i love that song it's one of my favorites where's my part where's this am i gonna come with a big bass hook for i mean mine exactly uh... that's the thing i think they don't realize how upset he is i think they think he's content with what he has he they you know and and obviously that's not the case um right. i don't know and I, well and i think they make they do make a conscious effort to help him later on like with i me mine like the whole like chorus part where it goes i me me mine, mine. Was all, i believe that was paul that helped him with that so like i do think there was like some collaboration where they were like okay we we should help george more with his songs and but the shame is like you're right they they focus too much on the lennon mccartney tag i think and 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 so i think they should have had more songs where they wrote with george you know where they kind of helped him out and not even to take credit or anything but just to like you know like and they they started to do it with i me mine and for you blue with the slide guitar and stuff um but if they had helped him with some of the uh, All Things Was Past songs, I think they would have been even better. And they are really, really great songs. Um, uh, did you guys enjoy, Dave, did you enjoy them playing some of the old songs? Like some of the uh, like 50 songs? With they, they play some Chuck Berry. They play some... Uh, uh, yeah, I, don't, I didn't enjoy it as much. But it was kind of like, I was like, okay, this, you know, I was like, you guys have a deadline. You have 14 songs to write in two weeks or whatever. Get going uh don't be wasting your time i was also like no maybe this is good maybe you guys if you play this song it will inspire you to write something else i guess that's kind of why they were doing it too just to sort of help clear their mind um but it's not i like watching them kind of like write these like especially songs like get back and don't let me down to see like those get like sort of written in real time i think that was like the real gift that's what i really enjoyed more than anything yeah uh um and josh when we when we get to the kind of the end here when when they talk they start talking about replacing george with eric clapton (laughs) 
I mean, especially John's the one that brings that up. Um, Like, did they not just hear George talking about like his friend, Eric, and like how what good friends he is with Eric Clapton? And like, like, why did they think that would work? So, I mean, the whole thing is crazy because we like, as you may or may not know, I'm sure, Jeff, you probably do. Like, Eric Clapton is obsessed with George Harrison's wife at the time. And he Mm -hmm. writes a song about her, Layla. And then eventually... Um, I believe George splits with her amicably and she ends up going and marrying Eric Clapton. And they even, I think George even jokes that he's his husband-in-law or something after like, it's, it's a whole thing, but it's really weird hearing George talk about his buddy who's obsessed with his wife. Um, but I do remember reading a quote, um, you know, Eric Clapton's been in the news a little lately for the wrong reasons, but I do remember reading a quote, um, where he basically said, John Lennon always liked to make comments that they would just replace George with me, but I was friends with George, not with the other Beatles. I never would have actually done that. So I think this is just this is just John Lennon talking out of his ass, honestly. Like plastic, uh, big plastic boxes to build a stage. And we'll exactly. Oh, we'll just there. we'll just get George, or we'll just get Eric Clapton, whatever. Like we'll just get the other, you know, one of the other best yeah, guitarists. Just, uh, we'll get to Mick Jagger or whoever. He'll come over. Uh, yeah, like, exactly. It's. <laughs> I think it's just bluster. I think. I think. Yeah, he's he's John Lennon. He's on drugs at this time. Yeah, I not, think. Not it, a, yeah, the drugs are talking a little bit. Not yeah. Sharpest, maybe. Well, I think it's just like he's like insensitive and he's not really like thinking things through like, uh, you know, like how the hell are you going to convince Eric Clapton, the guy that's like best friends with the guitarist of your band that just left to to come play for your he's, he, well, like, you're right. He wasn't going to do that. Like, I mean, it, it just made no sense to me. Um, the other thing was they were thinking about getting David Bowie. They didn't show that, but that was later on. But um, yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there was somebody who would have stepped up to be the guitarist for the Beatles, but I, luckily it didn't really have it happen, right? Because George will. I haven't seen part two yet, but I don't think it's a spoiler. I think he does come back to the band here, right? Yeah. It also well, ruins the whole purpose of this whole thing. Like, it's not the Beatles anymore. There's only four of them. It's like, you know, you can't. It's like Van Halen. Like, is it really Van Halen with Sammy Hagar? Like, it's. Right. it's and, and Van Halen's not even on the same level as the Beatles. Like, don't tell a 15 year old me that. But, right. um, you know, right. you can't just take your lead guitarist, replace it with another guy, and be like, "Oh, it's the Beatles." Like, yeah. no. sometimes it works. Like in Babylon Five, when they had to get rid of Commander Sinclair, and then Captain Sheridan came in in season two. Sometimes it works. You know? Yeah, totally that. <laughs> I, just, I can't believe he slipped in a Babylon Five here on the Beatles. <laughs> get back, part one podcast. We yeah. got here with Dave Mater and Josh Shields. Uh, yeah, I just think that this episode kind of, you know. It made me feel so, uh, you know, sad, happy. I, I kind of came around to. I've heard a lot of these stories about the fight at Ringo's house, and you know, yeah, everything that's with with the George stuff. And I do think that if George had not b- become this great songwriter, if he had just stayed like a main guitarist, like he was in the early days of the Beatles, I don't think any of this happens. But because he was like emerging as this really good songwriter, that's that's I think the main cause of of the whole george thing um well the fact that that paul and john didn't think that while my guitar gently weeps was a good song they were like this oh can't wait to we're done with this 
he doesn't know even how to write a song and that's like widely considered to be one of the greatest songs like he ever wrote and is ever from that era certainly and uh great guitar songs and like so they didn't know everything either you know they're not they're 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 not infallible uh john and paul like you know i think that you see the more human side of them i think through this documentary series i think that's kind of the, the nicest part the other thing i wanted to mention too was doesn't paul mccartney jeff remind you of like kevin smith like with that beard <laughs> yeah, like, a little bit. you know just like he's i they got that the facial expressions and things and uh, hey man and the eyebrows <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like oh my god like i can't stop seeing kevin smith uh in some of this paul mccartney footage but. the one thing that's really interesting about paul mccartney is how amazing he is at voices and like just like his not just his singing but he like he does it a bunch of times even in this first part where he starts speaking in like the posh british accent and then he starts doing like different like yeah American he was doing accents. like muppet voices at one point yeah he does like muppet voices like he's so good he would he would have been a, an amazing voice actor like right. you know he's so good at like i want to live in that universe yeah <laughs> where he was like move over jim henson i'm a puppeteer now he's like you know, <laughs> he can do it he's also singing songs yeah like, yeah he just like he's kind of a special guy like i think paul mccartney's really uh you know he's still going right he's in his almost 80 right or whatever um but yeah, i think he turns 80 uh this year yeah yeah this go. june so ringo's yeah. still going too. don't don't forget about Dude. ringo love that yeah. guy he was on craig ferguson once and he like performed live and i was like super impressed that like 70 year old ringo was still rocking out like you know, He's like, wait he was... for the Shining Time Station reunion tour. It's gonna be amazing. I'm the conctor. Ringo doesn't yeah. age. Like he he's been like he, he's looked sixty years old for the last like thirty years. Like yeah, he he doesn't age. It's, I don't know if he just tans all the time and he just has like good skin. But like compared to Paul, like Paul looks old now. Paul's had a lot of work done, and that stuff doesn't age well. No, so. yeah, he's definitely had a lot of plastic surgery. For, he's plastic maca, that's for sure. Um, okay, so I think that's it for part one, guys. Uh, we kind yeah. of said what we wanted to say here. I think uh, until we get into part two, when they get they move over to Apple Studios, where they go into the basement, uh, they're out of Twickenham, which, you know, the Twickenham stuff is looked at as one of the most miserable times in the Beatles career. But I actually think this episode seemed like a lot of fun for the most part, except for maybe George. Do you think they were having fun? I think John and Paul were having fun. Ringo yeah, and George, not so much. Ringo was <laughs> Ringo seems like he's pretty chill with whatever. So yeah, he's like, "Want me to play drums? Great. All right." Yeah. I think Ringo doesn't give a shit. Honestly, he's like, "I just need to get through this. Play play their damn drum beats, and then and I have then, to go. I have to. Go I'm in a movie. movie. Damn it! I'm in a. I'm I'm gonna be a big movie star. He throws shade at John Lennon. He's like, "I saw your movie, John. You were good. Yeah, yeah. I want that to be me. <laughs> and how I won the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah." So uh, it'll be exciting to kind of see them in the studio. I, I've already seen the second part, but it is very cool to see them actually record, whereas this is just rehearsals. So uh, it's cool to see how um, they how they operated in the recording studio, which we don't really have. This is the only real footage of it. So uh, stay tuned for that next Monday at 930. We will be covering that. Uh, Dave, what do we have uh, coming up here on uh, Super Mario Bros. Podcasting? Uh, well, you can tell all the fans about. 
Well, as uh, and now if you're just catching us for the first time here on this podcast, then yeah, you you will be continuing to coverage uh, the next Beatles things. But uh, we also do other TV shows, including Survivor, Survivor season forty-one. We've been talking about that along with Jamil Robinson every Wednesday night. We'll be uh, on again this Wednesday, December first, talk about episode eleven. Um, and uh, they're down to what the final seven, I believe, in Survivor. So if you like Survivor, check that out. We also talked about Big Brother season twenty-three earlier this. Uh, summer uh and big brother canada nine before that so if you're in the reality tv shows and we've also talked about different survivor seasons as well you can check that out in our playlists um as well as we do marvel cinematic universe recaps and uh, reactions most recently eternals and we'll be covering uh hawkeye and uh, spider-man um no way home when those finish up or finish their releases uh in the coming uh, weeks and months to come and additionally what else uh we have another channel called live long and podcast that's a star trek themed channel where we talk about star trek all the time including well we, we just watched all of the episodes of the original series with our dad ted uh all 79 episodes not in order finished that up but not too long ago and we're gonna be starting a new podcast uh starting monday nights on live long a podcast which is for enterprise the original which is the prequel series starring scott bakula from 20 years ago so we're talking about that with jody simpson starting december 6th D Space Nine at nine on Tuesday nights, uh, where we recap D Space Nine episodes, watching all those episodes in order. We're into season four now. This Tuesday night, tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about Shattered Mirror, the uh, the a Mirror Universe episode where Jennifer Cisco uh, pops over to lure Jake to the Mirror Universe. Very sad. And then uh, new episodes of Star Trek, including Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we're into season four now. Hey, Josh, you used to be with the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Uh, you're in the original season one. Um, and I, and I, I think I watched one or two episodes of season two, and I just, I had, I've had two kids since then. I don't got time to, I don't have time to watch Star Trek now. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, season two was rough too, uh, but now in season four, a little bit better. And, um, and so we've been covering that. We're going to be covering season episode three of season four, uh, ten o'clock p.m. this Thursday night. Talking about that with Michael Chan and Adam Woodward and Ashley Millard. Um, that, that episode is called a choose to live a Kuat Malat reference. Um, and we also talked about star Trek prodigy and star Trek lower decks. And we also did star Trek radio theater very recently. Uh, just on this Saturday night, we did our newest installment, uh, which, uh, was, uh, kind of like a script read. Um, we, we were star Trek lower decks. Uh, Jeff was playing shacks. I was playing ma. Uh, so check out that live recording. We'll eventually be doing a, a produced version of that as well. And we also um, have our third channel, which is called Trivial Debates, a monthly show where we argue about movies, TV, sports, and more. Uh, we just did a, a show on Sunday yesterday. Uh, we had um, Jody Simpson hosting with Max and Dylan. Oh, sorry, Max. Max and Dylan and Alex all competing. So uh, if you like. Um, game shows and uh, different arguments then check out Trivial Debates as well okay I think that's everything we got going on also check out uh, our cousin's podcast Locuters of Trek right. it's a Star Trek, another Star Trek podcast uh, great thing and then my son Eamon he has a podcast called Let's Talk About Fighting Games they just recorded a new episode last night and you thought the Beatles were busy with all their stuff yeah right? move over Paul McCartney wait until the Maters come to town the Maters are we're, we're uh Pumping out uh, podcasts left and right. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so stay tuned for all that. Uh, but yes, join us next week. Get back part two. Uh, we'll, we will have most likely Jake Shields joining us as well. Yeah, I'll make sure. Uh, um, for all of us here 
at Super Mater Bros Podcasting. I say, don't let me down and join us next week. Get back. Get back to where. Oh, thank you.